0: Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the dinner table,
1: or on the couch, AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au. For
0: SEN America, this is the SEN NBA podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the SCN NBA podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sakari here, and my co-host, my regular co-host, Chris DeSilva from, um, from Believe the Hype and from 16 a Ring, is not with me this morning. He couldn't make it in, which is unfortunate, but that doesn't matter because on the line we have a good friend of the program, um, Carlin Gay from NBA Australia, NBA Media. Carlin, how are you?
0: Uh, Luke can't complain. Uh, it's uh, it's trade deadline, you know yeah. aftermath. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I can now rest easy and not refresh my Twitter feed every five <laughs> seconds to find out what's happening in the yeah. NBA.
1: It's it's a crazy period, isn't it? I mean, we say it every year. It's it, I, it's hard. I I follow a lot of sports, but the NBA trade deadline that day, the amount of social media traffic. And just the amount of rumors that just fly around—that they all seem to happen on one day—it's pretty incredible. It's—it's it's something to behold. The NBA—it's—it's it's become an event in itself. The NBA trade it, deadline—it
0: really has, that's, and that's not a bad thing if you're if you're talking from a business perspective. You're you're Absolutely going to be um, in in the in the limelight, and you're going to have the headlines and in places like you know a Fox Sports or any ESPN. Uh, for that day specifically, and even, even on your radio station, I'm sure you guys have talked about it a little bit. Yeah, especially well, but...
1: with Andrew Bogut being moved, and we'll we'll speak on that a bit later.
0: But yeah, yeah it's so, been
1: pretty big news.
0: Yeah, it's 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 something that does take over, and it's uh it's become a marquee day now for any NBA fans so to to just really uh, lock in and, and spend some time. And and this was uh, I guess, the second time for me here in Australia following it in. I you know stayed up right until, or I woke up a little bit earlier to catch the the uh, tail end of it, um, right. and, yeah. and and experience what it's like to, to go all the way down to eight o'clock you know uh, a.m. <laughs> Eastern time, uh, and wonder where people would end up as opposed to you know living back in North America and having it uh, at that three p.m. deadline, um, and and being wide awake and, and seeing what's happening.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting as well because a lot of the times the um the trades happen. After the deadline, you know, the deadline yeah. will happen, but there's a lot of moves that happen maybe 10 15 minutes prior that just haven't received an official clearance from the NBA or hasn't been leaked to to any of the reporters yet. So, while it is a deadline, a lot of the times it does go past that deadline,
0: yeah. And that's and that's always the exciting thing, but the and and it's always the kind of the uh B list trades and the C list trades so yeah. that are still. <laughs> you know, still pretty good uh, on the surface. And I'm sure we're going to get into some of those yeah, uh, when we really break them down, but um, there are some sneaky ones that, that get through that really do change the landscape of, of what the NBA is uh, prior to the deadline. Um, uh, the big names, you'll never hear of, uh, you know, for example, if Paul George had left, he, he would never yeah. hear that coming in, you know, two hours past the deadline. I think, you know, Woj wouldn't, would Woj wouldn't be able to look at himself <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> But uh, it, you know the, the the sneaky good ones uh, do kind of slip through the cracks a little bit, and um, that's kind of what makes it fun for some of those contending teams that gets those you know those uh, those pieces that can add to a, a championship run.
1: Absolutely, they're so important. Um, before we get stuck like, into the trade deadline news, um, I do just want to touch on uh, news broke this morning, which doesn't come as a massive surprise, but. The Philadelphia 76ers officially have announced that Ben Simmons, of course, the Australian sensation number one draft pick in the 2016 NBA draft, officially won't play this season. Um, he's, he's broken foot, hasn't fully healed in the time frame they would expecting. He's been practicing, he's been doing drills, but I, I think it's it's a smart move. If he's not ready, there's absolutely no no reason for him to play this season.
0: Yeah, it, there really isn't. We um, it, it, it got down to a point where I think the Sixers really looked at their chances of making the playoffs um, yeah. and, and realized that it's probably not realistic uh, of them making that, uh, that eighth seed. I think if they were a little bit closer to the playoff push, uh, you might have heard more rumblings about trying to get Ben on the court. Uh, but now... The fact that his foot hasn't healed, I mean, forget about the fact that we don't get to see him as fans this season. That's scary in terms of what, you know, if we get to see him ever. You know, because, I mean, we're talking about a foot uh, that was broken, you know, months ago and, and on normal, you know, uh, you know, normal recovery time, uh, that foot should have been healed by now. Yeah. And it, 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 a problem has come up. Uh, acute Jones fracture is what it is. Yeah, uh, Kevin Durant had the same injury and he came back. Uh, and had to leave again because it, it just—it's one of those injuries that you just don't know how it's going to heal. It's different for everybody, and, and I think Ben's going through it a little bit now. And we—it's a good thing he's not playing because I mean, it, if that had—if he had re-injured it, that could have been the end of his career before it even began. So um I'm a little bit more worried at the fact that is—is is this going to be something that we have to look at and say it, it's going to be a recurring injury because. To be honest with you, I'm dying to see this guy get on the basketball, an NBA basketball court. I've seen him at every level. I want to see him at the highest level possible, and I also want to see him, you know, for, for many, many years. So, um, being as a fan, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about uh, about how this foot is feeling, um, and, and, and if he can get back to, you know, 110%, uh, you know, fitness.
1: Yeah, and it's an interesting point you make as well, because he's a 6'10 guy, so, he puts a lot of pressure on that foot. you got all that weight and that size, all that pressure going down on it. And for someone like Ben, who who handles the ball a lot and at his size, he's going to be um, fighting for rebounds as well. So he kind of plays both positions. That's a lot of jumping up and down. It's a lot of running. Um, you're right. We saw what happened, what it, how it affected Durant's career when he had it and some, some players prior to that. It's, it's not what you want to hear. I mean, it, it, I feel for the Sixers as well. Because how many times do they have to go through um, their top draft picks being injured? Like, we're seeing Embiid now for the first time in about two, three years. I mean, Noel had his injury issues when they drafted him. It's just, I mean, is is there a curse down there or something like that? Because it's just a real shame to see.
0: It is. It's definitely hard, uh, hard for Sixer fans to kind of wrap their heads around it. But what 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 I would give him as a, kind of a you know a light at the end of the tunnel is the fact that they saw him play even though he didn't play the full season he's been playing every other game yep. um, when he was fit you you saw what he can do in just 24 minutes of action
1: oh, it's now unbelievable
0: he, and now you know there's no question in your mind that this guy can play in the NBA and he's going to be an effective player and one day maybe an All Star uh, it's just a matter of getting him healthy and I think that's you know that's a huge plus because. When you draft guys like, uh, you know, uh, Embiid and Simmons and uh, Noel at the top of the draft, it, it, there's no guarantee that they're going to turn into the stars that they're projected to be. So I think you could feel, you could sleep a little easier knowing that, you know, you found uh, Joel Embiid and that for the next 10 years, providing his health, he's going to be in that uniform and you're going to have a chance to at least make the playoffs. And then you add Ben Simmons to that list. I think Ben, I don't think anyone's questioning whether or not, you know, Ben can play at this level, but I think. People need to find out whether or not he is that franchise guy that he can become. And uh, you know, you you talk about him being a potential either Lamar Odom or LeBron James. That's a big gap there. (laughs) Whether he falls, you know, somewhere in between that, uh, that means, in my opinion, that he'll be an All Star. And I I have no question that he he can become an All Star. Uh, It's just that you have to see it on the court really to make you sleep a little easier, like we did with Embiid. Um, uh, And that same goes for Noel. I think Noel, when he was healthy. Uh, People were expecting him to be, you know, something special, and that we didn't really see that from him in his time on the court and that made him expendable. So um, I I think Philly's in a situation where uh, now knowing what they had with Embiid, they were able to, A, get rid of Noel, um, B, uh, maybe give Okafor more, you know, opportunities because he's another high draft pick that uh, was supposed to be something special, but they need to figure out whether or not he fits their plans um, but we'll find out in summer league really what they have with with uh, Mr. Simmons because uh, again, um, I expect the world for him. Just make sure that he can walk up and down the court at least uh, before he can start running.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It Definitely makes his uh, his path to the NBA to the NBA court a lot more intriguing. Now, moving on as we um, as we promised at the start of the show, we are going to go through the the trades that happened. We are calling them the deadline deals, but we're going to start with one that happened a few days before, which we kind of have yeah. to. It's It set the entire NBA world on its head. It was really, it, to me, it was a shock in a way. Um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, just in case you haven't realized it, we are talking about the DeMarcus Cousins trade. I'm getting it caught up. The Pelicans received DeMarcus Cousins and Omri Casper, who actually got injured in his first game for the Pelicans, which was a shame. And in return, the Kings got back Buddy Hill, Tyreek Evans. Langston Galloway, a 2017 first rounder, and a second rounder as well. Um, for me, it's funny, th- this happened on All- after the All-Star game, this trade happened, right. and when it did happen, he almost forgot that there was an All-Star game on that day. It got the All-Star weekend, which, just on a side note, I found completely boring this year, and I think it needs a revamp. I don't know how, but I thought it was just very, very repetitive and boring, but that, that, that's a topic for another matter. Right. Um. This deal just buried all star week, and then took on a life on its own. And like I said, I was I wasn't expecting the Marcus to get traded this season. After everything the Kings had come out and said publicly, whether that was um Vlady Divac or ownership, and just uh, I didn't feel like he would get traded because they were making a kind of a playoff push. They had eight seats, so they're finally in a in a semi winning position. I mean, you get to the first round, you get swept by going to state. But, I mean, just for the Sacramento Kings to be in the playoffs is an achievement. So, they had that going for them. They had all the public statements. I didn't expect them to get traded. And then to see what actually they received back, wow. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if the market wasn't there. I mean, we heard Vladdy say in in the press conference that they had better offers that they just didn't take because circumstances and this and that. I don't know how much better those offers actually were than this one. I don't know if this shows that teams were legitimately concerned about DeMarcus's off-court attitude and his personality. But, man, you, you have to get more. He's the best center in yeah. the league. You have to. It's uh, Something had to happen behind closed doors that made them make this decision because what they received back is this mind-boggling bad Considering what they gave up it, it's 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 so
0: hard yeah I think I think people need to really look back at that um, history of the NBA in terms of transactions for marquee players and see what most of them got back to really truly understand um, either how poor or, or what the you know what the value they got back from the trade for for Demarcus cousins is and to be quite honest with you, I'm not ready to say. That it's one of the worst trades in NBA history because we, I, we honestly don't know. I mean, um, it's only been one day uh, (laughs) since uh, since the uh, since the trade has happened, and um, most people will call you know Boogie Cousins, uh, you know, the the best center in the league, and I'm not arguing that. um, But when you have a franchise player, it's rare that you get back exact value for that franchise player, and um, the only way the Kings can really make it. Uh, I guess worthwhile for in people's opinions is if they do uh, something with those draft picks. And I understand there's going to be low, lower draft picks than even if they end up with them, I understand that they're going to be lower draft picks than, you know, where they would have selected Boogie Cousins. But I mean, you know, Isaiah Thomas was a late round draft pick in the second round. So uh, it, it could just happen. I mean, it, it, you never know. So um, I, I look back, the closest thing I was to something similar in terms of uh, getting back Nothing for you know someone that really major franchise uh, was when Vince Carter got traded to the uh, New Jersey Nets at the time. Um, The the Raptors got back; they were supposed to get back Alonzo Mourning, Aaron Williams, and Eric Williams. Well, Alonzo Mourning decided that he wasn't going to come across the border and come play in Toronto, so he never even reported to the Raptors. They ended up with Eric Williams and Aaron Williams for Vince Carter. We're talking about Vince Carter, the Hall of Famer
1: in his prime. um,
0: in his prime, the reason why the Raptors are even relevant now, the reason why, to be quite honest with you, there was a boom in in terms of Canadians playing in the NBA right now. Nick Stelskis grew up watching Vince Carter, Andrew Wiggins, you know, Tyler Ennis. Let's go, Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph. All of these guys watched Vince Carter as a, as a kid, and they're the reason why they believe that they could make the NBA. If it wasn't for Vince Carter, uh, it wasn't Steve Nash. I don't I don't want anyone to sit here and you know tell you that. Steve Nash was the guy to really, you know, capture their imagination because it wasn't Steve Nash; it was absolutely Vince Carter. And the Raptors got back Aaron Williams and Eric Williams. And unless you're a hardcore NBA fan, you probably have to look at Wikipedia and know who those guys are. <laughs> and and they're, they're not good basketball players, put it quite nicely. Um, so they, they got absolutely rocked and they had draft picks with uh, to obviously go around along with those picks, but they flubbed those picks. So. Um you know, they they never really got value. And it set their franchise back, uh, you know, close to 20 years because they really didn't get good up until now. And how long ago was Vince Carter in a Raptor uniform? It, it's been years. And, and I understand they had Bosch at the time as well. But, you know, it, it still took them a very long time to get back to, you know, pl- at least playoff contention. Um, and I expect the Kings to really have a long road ahead of them regardless of what they get for those draft picks, regardless if Buddy Heel turns into the next Steph Curry,
1: <laughs> it's still
0: going to take a long time to get back to, uh, you know, at least competing for that eighth seed in the playoffs. Because DeMarcus Cousins, whether you like him or not personally, uh, or, or agree with, you know, the personality that he is, he's still uh, one of the top 15 players in the league. And, you know, when you give away that type of talent, it's hard to really uh, get back to, to uh, you know, being a, a relevant basketball team.
1: I guess the other concern as well is we haven't really seen Sacramento take full advantage of their draft picks in the past. I mean, look at their recent drafting history, and it's not good. I mean, it's simply not good. So considering they just got back one first-rounder, like for DeMarcus Cousins, you could only get one first-rounder and then a second-rounder. And like you said, it's not going to be – I mean, you look at this deal and you assume the Pelicans are probably going to lock up that eight seed eventually if they do win the, I mean they they lost yesterday in the first game but you'd imagine that DeMarcus and Anthony Davis is enough to get them into that eight seed which makes that draft pick around the pick 15 so middle of the middle of the pack granted this is a deep draft and a lot of experts are saying it's you'll be able to find talent deep in this draft but when you look at the Kings and who they've drafted lately and the way some of their draft picks have panned out, it doesn't really breed much confidence that they're going to make the right decision.
0: Yeah, it's right. it's, it's hard, though. I mean, the draft is one of those things. It's not an exact science. I mean, you just get lucky.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. Sometimes. I say it all the time. You can you can scout all you want. You can do all your, your pre-draft checks, but no one can predict how a, a player... Coming out of school because they're coming out of school, these young teenage kids. No one can predict how they're going to um, how they're going to react and adjust to a professional lifestyle and all the media scrutiny that comes with it. It's just it's so hard to you can't. A lot of it is luck. You're exactly right.
0: And not only that, I mean, they could probably you know adjust to all that stuff, and then you still got to count on the fact that they got to be healthy. Look at we just yeah. talking about the 6s that spend the last three years. You know, waiting for their draft picks to even just get on the court to find yep. out if they can fit in NBA style. So it, there's a lot that has to go right for these draft picks to be successful. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's tough. That's, that's the hardest thing, to get one pick back, to mean that you only have one chance exactly. to really replace the Marcus Pezans um, in, a, in a draft that, you know, in, their, in, their, in, their fair, in all fairness, this draft is supposed to be deep. It is, Whatever yep. that means, we'll find out, you know, five years from But isn't from now, every but,
1: draft meant to be deep?
0: Yeah, <laughs> but there are some, some, I guess, some deeper than others. But yeah. I mean, this, this one is supposed to be, uh, you know, talent-rich, and, and there's a lot of potential with, with this specific draft. But we'll not, we won't know that until five, five years from now, to be quite honest. But, I mean, you only have one shot at this thing. And the, as you said, the Pelicans have a, really ch- a real chance of making the playoffs, which will only kill their, uh, the uh, Sacramento Kings uh, now drafting. But, um, I, to be honest, with you, I still, I still see the Pelicans falling just outside of that playoff run. I, I don't think there's enough games for them to catch up, but that's a, that's another topic at, at this point. But, um, in terms of Sacramento, it's going to be really hard, um, for them to sell to, their fans uh, to, you know, to, to, to people just like us uh, that, you know, critique them uh, that they got the, uh, the better end of the deal uh, considering how good cousins is, but it could also be a situation where, you know, it, it becomes a little bit of a Ewing theory to, to quote Bill, Bill Simmons, uh, meaning you, you to subtract your best player. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, uh, by just getting that best player out of there, you, you know the rest of the team steps up, and you become a better team, a uh, better unit, as a, as opposed to having one guy that really carries you through.
1: Yeah, and uh, l- l- let's not ignore the risk New Orleans are taking as well. I mean, I know that what they gave up was minimal to get DeMarcus yep. Cousins, but let's not ignore all the risks that we had associated with DeMarcus Price at a trade: attitude, personality character and his contract situation I mean there's no guarantee he's staying in New Orleans past next season so I mean you, you like I said you look at what they gave up and you think well it's not much of a risk because they didn't really um give up they didn't lose a lot but let's not ignore that this isn't a, a perfect deal for them either as great as it is on paper it's not absolutely perfect
0: yeah you're absolutely right and I think people don't realize that yes, yeah, Sacramento may have not gotten, you know, the haul that they expected them to get with a talent like Boogie, but um maybe they saw it as a as a difference in, in that, you know, they got this guy out of the locker room. That's gonna relieve a lot of stress for yeah. the entire organization top yeah. to bottom and say, Hey, you know what? It's not our problem anymore. It's here's your problem. He's he comes with sixteen fouls, technical fouls, yeah. one more he gets another suspension. Almost got a couple last night and in his in his, yeah, debut. his so first game yeah. th- this is a guy that you know he's no choir boy i mean he does have he does come with baggage he's very talented but he does come with his fair share of baggage and i have been on record saying that um I, he's he, to me it's he's a ticking time bomb i i don't think that um He's a leader. I don't think that he can, you can build a franchise around him. Um, I think that this is going to be his best chance to prove everyone that says things like I do wrong because he doesn't have to be the leader of the team. That's Anthony Davis. Uh, he has a really good offensive minded coach, Alvin Gentry, and someone whose temperament, in Alvin Gentry, could probably handle, you know, the little outbursts with Boogie Cousins. Um, but I, if, if it, you know, it comes out three years from now that, hey, he either, either leaves or, B it just doesn't work out in New Orleans. I think people are gonna realize that man, this guy just couldn't tap into the potential because he couldn't mature enough to be an NBA player.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I mean we look back on it, it's gonna it's one of those ones, it's a blockbuster and with all blockbusters, you have to give it time, you have to see how both teams adjust and um we can only um we can only wait for time for that one. Moving on to the next deal, and this is interesting. Obviously, we mentioned there the um, the Pelicans lost the first game with Demarcus and Anthony Davis. They lost to the Rockets and was mainly due to Lou Williams, who also got (laughs) traded from from the Lakers. So the the details of the deal, the Lakers got Corey Brewer and an unprotected 2017 first-round pick. The Rockets get Lou Williams, which paid immediate dividends, 27 points, 7 of 11 from downtown in his debut. I think it's a perfect fit. Lou Williams of the Houston Rockets.
0: I mean it, it, you're absolutely right. I, I do agree. It is I think it's the best team that he could possibly go to uh to fit uh what his style of play is. And really his style of play if we're being quite honest, to shoot and, you know, ask questions secondly. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, and play minimal defense. And uh, you know, he's now the Rockets have a legitimate six man, someone they did not have uh prior to this trade. And I understand that it, you know, Eric Gordon does come off the bench, but Lou Williams is, uh, is to me, is a little bit more dynamic than Eric Corden because he can create his own shot. I'm talking about Lou Williams, and I don't think Eric Gordon has, uh, at this point in his career, developed as much one-on-one skill as Lou Williams, you know, does have. There's only one other player in the league that can come off your bench, uh, in my opinion, be that dynamic, and his name is Jamal Crawford. Mm-hmm. I-, I think if you can't get him, I think Lou Williams is the next best thing, um, and he proved it yesterday. Didn't warm up didn't shoot around, didn't even know he was going to play in the game, <laughs> and he walks into the game and, you know, drops a cool, uh, what was it, 25 yesterday? 27. Or, or yeah. 27 I'm, I'm shortchanging him. 27 points, and that's what you get with Lou Will. You're going to get those type of games, and you have to, uh, thinking forward, because they're going to make the playoffs, rock Rockets are, yeah. thinking forward, that when you are in a playoff series, you understand that you have to stop James Harden or try to. Um, now you have someone else, on the team to game plan for, because I don't think the Rockets really had that second option, um, you know, to, to really, you know, cause problems or uh, that could take over games in that manner. Because a lot of their guys are, you know, catch and shoot guys. Lou Williams is another guy that can actually create. And by the way, they still have cap space to sign, uh, you know, an Andrew Bogut if that if that yeah. does come up, yeah. uh, or or you know, a Matt Barnes to add toughness on the wing. Uh, to guard, you know, Kevin Durant if it does come to that. So, the, or, you know, they still have options in, in that uh, in that field. So they're not done yet. And I think people need to give start giving Daryl Morey some credit mm-hmm. in terms of what he's doing because I think three years ago he was getting killed for, you know, uh, the analytics stuff, the numbers and looking at, you know, players as numbers. And a lot of the old school cats, and I, I'm sure they're still going to say this to this day, say you can't GM that way, but he has this Houston Rockets team in you know the third seed comfortably, maybe maybe even challenging the Spurs for the second seed by by the time it's all said and done, and basically playing his proper style of basketball, meaning run up down the floor, shoot as many threes as possible, and try to outscore you. And he, he's not really concerned about the defensive end. So uh, I think Daryl Morey has to be given a lot of credit for taking the chances that he has and sticking to his plan and figuring out a way to make it work in today's NBA.
1: Yeah, no doubt. He's definitely um, parving his own way to success. And I think it's a good deal for the Lakers as well. I mean, Corey Brewer, you take him. But if you tell me that you're going to get an unprotected first-round pick in a draft that's, like we said earlier, it's meant to be very deep for the position that they're in. I mean, rebuilding, you want to acquire as many young assets as possible. I think it's a good deal for the Lakers as well. and It, does, it makes them worse which in turn increases their chances to keep their um their, their lottery pick of course it's top three protected. So yeah. um I think it's a good deal for both sides. The Lakers like I said if you told me you get a, an unprotected first round pick for a guy who's who's I'm pretty sure he's past 30 years old who's just at that mark that age mark who's not going to help the Lakers in the future. I think you absolutely take that.
0: I think the biggest trade um off the court at the trade deadline was getting magic in the front office because now yes. the Lakers have that, you know, that uh, resurgence of everyone's talking about them as a destination now, mm-hmm. uh, once again. I, I think Jim Bus and you know and Mitch Kupchak, who Mitch had done a great job in his position, um, but, but you know what, it, it, your job becomes a lot harder when you don't have a franchise player, and obviously when you lose one of the greatest, you know, shooting guards of all time, not just a franchise. <laughs> it player. makes a
1: difference. It, it, it makes a huge
0: <laughs> difference, and I, I think it was a little bit tougher to to try and get people to LA. So um you know magic being in there is bringing in new life he yep. wants to be there i think people are talking about you know comparing him to phil jackson and being a little bit unsure about what he can bring to the table i don't think magic is is you know naive in the fact that he he's he's a you know a, a basketball savant he's just a guy that really wants to be in la and i think his energy alone is just going to change that franchise so one of the biggest trades that you know happened off the court at the deadline was getting Rob Pelinka and Magic Johnson in the front in the front office for the Lakers, and that's that's we're not going to see the uh, the dividends of that for over another couple of years. But that was a huge move for the Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Yep, absolutely. So moving on to the next deal, we'll do these in order of when they got announced. Um... For this one, Washington Wizards bolstered their bench a little bit in getting Boyan Bogdanovich and Chris McColl from the Brooklyn Nets for Andrew Nicholson, Marcus Forden, and a lot of reprotected really 2017 first-round pick. Not much to see here. I think it's just the Wizards adding a little bit more scoring and a bit more depth to a bench that's not good. And for a team that's making a top-four playoff push, I think that's important. Um, Maybe give up a little bit more than they wanted to in order to receive that and um, Bogdanovich isn't by any means gonna completely change the fortunes of the franchise. But I don't think it's a horrible deal for either team. Have you got any thoughts on this one, Carlin?
0: it was a deal that they had to make. As you said, the Wizards are, you know, one of the worst uh, in terms of bench scoring. I think they're bottom three in the league in terms of bench scoring. So he has someone that, you know, he knows his role. He's coming in. He's not gonna start. He's just gonna come in off the bench and try to put in as much points as he can. I think he's averaging thirteen right now and yeah. it's better than what they had before. So yeah. Good deal for them. They, they they can continue the playoff push. But a lot of it, as you said, is gonna have to deal with, you know, John Wall and, and Brad Beale well, Gavinich is not turning them into a championship contending team. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, I think they just I think in my opinion they're gonna end up being the same uh, team at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and of course you can never argue in the Brooklyn Nets get a draft pick as opposed to giving one up. So that's a tick for them. Yeah, for, for um, the next one involved the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Sixers got Thiago Splitter and draft considerations. Atlanta Hawks had Urson Ilias Sover in a future second round pick. Again, not too much to see here. Benefits both sides. Um, Philadelphia get rid of Ilya Sova and kind of free up some room in their in their front court. We probably don't expect them to keep Thiago Splitter. They're still a bit unsure what they're going to do with him. For the Hawks, you get Urson Ilyasova, Ilya Sova as a bit of shooting to that un- to that second unit. Um, they did give up Mike Scott as well later in the day, so it kind of frees up some time for Urson um, Again, not really much to see here. Just just a, a solid deal for both teams. That's not really going to change much.
0: Yeah, the only thing I would say is, though, as a Hawk fan, um, he, he would be very happy to find out they're actually trying to get pieces around the puzzle. I mean, reports came out yesterday. That they tried to get Jimmy Butler. They tried to get Paul George. Yeah. Whereas a couple months ago, they were sellers. You know, they yeah. were trying to get rid of Paul Millsap. to
1: got rid of Corva
0: They got rid of Corvett, So for nothing, right? So yep. um, the fact that that has changed, that mentality has changed. Uh, you know, as a Hawk fan, you should be happy to hear that. So... That's, that's my take on, on what their trade deadline was. I mean, Ilya Silva has not much to say on him. It's just the fact that they were very aggressive at the trade deadline, and I think they'll be aggressive in the offseason as well.
1: That's an interesting one, though. So you, you say, yes, that's a positive for them on a fan perspective, but at the same time, to have your franchise, franchise um, shifting directions and, and philosophies that quickly on a dime in the same season – I mean, it does to me. That kind of says, "Well, do they really know what their or, or what do they want their identity to be? What are they trying to do as a franchise to have those um, dramatic changes in in thoughts mid season? It's an interesting one. It's an interesting theory.
0: one, but it does happen.
1: And, and no, it and does. Yeah, great. Yep.
0: The great franchises, you know, um, you know, roll with kind of the punches in that in, in that uh, in that instance. I mean. Um, that's how some of the great teams are built uh, sometimes, you know. It's uh, there's, there's times where, you know, I, I, I can remember back being the fan, a Raptor fan, um, the, the Rudy Gay trade. The yeah. Raptors were, they traded Rudy Gay, um, and then Kyle Lowry was really minutes away from becoming a New York Knick. Uh He, he was going to be a Nick, and at the time the Knicks were, you know, a team that was uh, play, making a playoff push to the Raptors, were there but they were kind of figuring out hey we don't have the core to do it Kyle Lowry's not the guy we get rid of Rudy. we just got rid of Rudy Gay who was our best player at the time and then all of a sudden um you know they went to the division that year yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it could happen really quickly and uh they go out and at the deadline get you know Patrick Patterson uh, I think it was that they made another move or yeah. to, to get some, some some more pieces there so it it, it really can change quickly, and as a GM, you have to be fluid. Um, when Atlanta was going through those trade rumors, I think that was around the last time we spoke. Uh, yeah, Atlanta it was, was going the COVID through the trade, trade yep. rumors, and uh, and and we were we were saying to ourselves, you know, why if Millsap next to go? Where would he go? And then he now he's on the All Star team. Yeah. We weren't expecting that, so <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it probably shocked it probably shocked most, and even the you know the Atlanta front office that Millsap would turn into a guy that becomes an All Star and that they're still in the fifth spot. And probably right now, if they matched up with Toronto, I think they think that they have a good chance of giving Toronto a good series. So, um, you know, it it does change quickly.
1: Yeah, it shows how fragile the NBA landscape is. Moving on. Now, now this one was a bit of a biggie, and it's one that really we haven't really got much clarity yet on what's going to happen. 76ers receive Andrew Bogut, Justin Anderson – and a top eighteen protected first round pick. Of course, the Christian Mark there is bogey. He's not going to play for Philadelphia. It's just a matter of where he's going to go. Dallas get back New Orleans Noel. Um, I liked this trade for both teams. I think getting back Noel, if you're the Mavericks, a lot of similarities to Tyson Chandler. Who had his best success playing under Rick Carlisle in a Rick Carlisle system? You have that athletic big who can finish prolifically, roll into the basket off a pick and roll. He can block shots, he can defend, he can rebound, he can run the floor. For a team that, um, another team that's kind of a bit unsure of where they're going, to get someone like Noel who can add to them, I like that move. You didn't give up much for him. I mean, Justin Anderson. It really depends on how you value him. Um, he hasn't shown too much he's shown a bit of athleticism, hasn't shown too much in what he's done so far in Dallas. The picks obviously got a lot of protections on it. And it comes down to Andrew Bogut. I mean, where's he gonna go?
0: I mean, it's uh I guess I guess Aussies are putting a uh, a wall against uh against Philadelphia because that's the second Aussie that's now not gonna play for for Philly this this season if you <laughs> if he count Simmons and Boget. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Bogut obviously doesn't want to play there. He, no. he wants a chance to win. Yeah, um, and I think Philly understands that. But I also thought that they made the move to try and make a second move um, to try and dangle the Bogut's expiring contract,
1: which maybe they couldn't. Some, they couldn't find the partner for him.
0: Yeah, maybe get some draft picks back, but no one no one took the bait. So yeah. now they're stuck, uh, and they have to kind of buy him out, which they'll probably do. And if I'm bokeh, I'm happy. Uh because teams he's, he's in the position that uh despite not having the greatest years and I think if you asked him that, he'd probably tell you the same thing. He's only appeared in I think twenty six games yeah. this season. Uh he's been in and out of the lineup. Um and he him going to Dallas, I don't think he went to Dallas to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think he went to Dallas to know that, you know, he had an opportunity to compete in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, so. I I I, actually, I spoke to him um in the off season when he was down here in Melbourne. And he said, he said he, I mean, obviously it was a trade, but obviously he wasn't too, he wasn't going to stay in Golden State after what happened with Durant, obviously with right. the situation. And he wanted to go somewhere where he wanted to win and wanted to at least have a chance to win. I don't think anyone really expected Dallas to have this, um, this cliff fall that they have this season. And Broke, it's one of those guys where he can kind of just, he had the luxury where he can get out of it now. And yeah, he has the freedom to really sign almost anywhere.
0: That, and that's, as a player, you rarely, you don't always get that opportunity nah, because your your right. contracts are so long in NBA's terms. What Four years is a very long time. People don't know what's going to happen. And um, now he has an opportunity to really say to himself, I can go somewhere for the next, you know, three months. And win, and then also test the waters there. You don't have to. You're not. You're not married there if you don't yeah. win. Yeah. And then you have another opportunity to really decide where you want to go. And he's he's only 32, so he still has some basketball left. Uh, and I know, I know I, I, from from speaking to him, I, I have a feeling that he's not ready to hang them up. I, I think he wants one more kick the can and, yeah. and a long one to really you know go out on on the right terms. Uh, and I think getting a championship is is very very high on his priority list. So. Um, I've been here in Cleveland. I've been hearing, you know, San Antonio and and, and Houston.
1: How about a um, return to Golden State? There was that report yesterday it, that the NBA rules actually allow that. Now it's uh, um, he's he, considering how what happened and circumstances. He's allowed to sign back with Golden State, which is yeah, unlikely. But I mean, very, yeah. it's fun. I don't it's, think it's fun to talk it's fun about. Fun,
0: it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those NBA two K trades that came on there. But uh, I, I think, I think uh, me personally. Um, and, and knowing and, and speaking to him a little bit here and there and, um, seeing in terms of fit wise, where I think he would best fit would be either San Antonio and Houston. Not right. saying that Cleveland wouldn't find a spot for him. I just don't think, um, I mean, that locker room is, is a, is a at locker room, if that makes sense. And I feel like I'm okay to say that in terms of just the personalities there. Um, and, and what he's trying to do. And I, I think he would probably rather, you know, compete against them rather than compete with them. I think he's still a competitive guy. And, yeah. Um, even though he's not on that Golden State team anymore, I think he's still, he, that 3-1 still kind of, you know, hangs over his head as well. So, um, the, him going to, you know, a San Antonio, uh, or, or a Houston, as I said, uh, I, I think they're not going to ask him to do much other than what he can do at this point in his career. And that's, you know, block shots, uh, rebound, rim protect. And uh, he can still score. People forget that. I mean, I know he's only averaging three points a game, but he can still score if you give him the opportunity. And being in that Houston pick and rolls, I mean, that should be something uh, of of interest because if they can make Clint Capella look like a, uh, you know, offensive (laughs) threat. I think Andrew Bogan has a little bit more offensive tools than Clint Capella. So um, just in that system, in my opinion, I think he would fit best. Uh, if, if I had a choice, I'd pick Houston.
1: Yeah, and he's one of the best um, offensive passes for a big man as well. He's very, very Absolutely. intelligent with the ball in hand at those elbows. Um, he would give the Rockets a different look as well. Give them something a bit different on the defensive end that they haven't had in a long time. So that would be a very, very nice feat without a doubt. Moving on to the next deal, which involved another one which kind of moved some some pretty important rotational pieces involving Oklahoma City and the Chicago Bulls. OKC received Taj Gibson, Doug McDermott, and a 2018 second-round pick. The Bulls, in return, get Anthony Morrow, Jeffrey LeVere, and Cameron Payne. Um, this is one of those deals where if you're OKC, I look at this and I say, you look at OKC and you want, you, you need more floor spacing. Taj Gibson doesn't give you that. Doug McDermott does. So you kind of get a compromise there. You give up Anthony Morrow, who for me has always been one of the most underplayed players in the NBA. I've always really, really valued his skill set. For some reason, he just doesn't get on the court. Maybe that changes in Chicago. Who knows? Cameron Payne is a guy where a lot of people have had high hopes for. He hasn't panned out yet. He's been injured a lot. His opportunities have been um, up and down. Maybe he can flourish in Chicago. Who knows? Jeffrey LeVere, you, you know what you're going to get with him. It's 2018 second round pick. Not much value at the moment. So this trade is one where both teams get get good and bad pieces. It's one where it's kind of just you got to see how it pans out.
0: I think we're starting to see Chicago dismantle that uh, yeah that core. That core. I mean, it, it started it started with zeros a year ago and um, or in the offseason, I should say, and now Taj Gibson. If you're a Chicago Bull fan, he was the one constant. Uh, throughout, you know, this core uh that was left over from, you know, Tom Thibodeau's time. Um, he was the he was the one guy that when no one was hurt, he'd step up. Yeah. When you know, when they needed someone to score a little bit more, he was the guy to do it. He, energy plays in the playoffs. He was that guy. He was a bull. He was a bull through and through and he, he was the heart of that team. And I think now, uh the writing is on the wall. Uh, it's just a matter of what they do going forward and I think that's gonna happen more in the offseason. season. But if you're Oklahoma City um, you know there's you know, Russell Westbrook is really you know the motor of that team he plays with such intensity that he really brings players around that don't really you know always play 110 percent but just because you watch him practice and you know run up and down the floor he, he kind of gets you going too I think he finally now has someone else that can match his intensity level in terms of Taj Gibson. Uh, Gibson's a guy whose uh, skill set is, is is a little bit limited but his effort makes up for it, and he, he's going to give you the effort on defensive end. He'll, he'll always offensive rebound, and that's become kind of Golden State's M.O. They've been r- a really good offensive rebounding team, and he's going to step right in into the role that, you know, Ains Cantor has left. Uh, people forget that Cantor's, you know, injured himself, and yeah. he still, still could come back to this season. So yeah. um, it, 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 they, they have another big now that they can really throw at you, and in their mind, they still think that they can compete with you know, some of the top teams in the Western Conference. And I think you're now starting to see that the big man is starting, slowly starting to come back because that's the formula to beat Golden State. You're not going to beat Golden State on the wings. You're going to have to really body punch them to death. And now with that Pelicans move, bringing back the Twin Towers, and this small little move, Tosh Gibson, I know it's a much smaller scale than getting Boogie Cousins, but that's another move if you are the uh, Golden State Warriors to to add pieces to say we are going to catch up to Golden State eventually may not be this year but we'll we'll have enough bigs that they can't really keep us off the glass and 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 eventually we'll get them
1: yeah that's no, a good point it's a good point and like you said i think the energy is a big one i mean we've kind of seen that a little bit with with the um with the departure of Serge Barker. The um, yeah. in OKC haven't really had that energizer bunny big man. Maybe Taj Gibson fills that void. We'll fly through these last few. We are running out of time, but we still got a few more trades to get through. So we have to get Go that done. Um, Denver Nuggets, Milwaukee Bucks. Denver get Roy Hibbert. Milwaukee get a protected future second round pick. Not much to see here. I guess the big news for the Nuggets is it saves them money eventually because it pushes them closer to the cap minimum. So um, it, it's a money money saving move there for Denver. Milwaukee got a highly protected second rounder. Um, Carlin, any thoughts on this one? There's not much happening.
0: Just poor Roy. I mean, poor Roy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been, T-
1: talk about was, a a four from, not from greatness, but from an all-star caliber level. It's just the last few years, it's just completely gone off the rails.
0: He was one game away uh, in Indiana from playing in the finals. They, they had the heat on the ropes. They had yes. like a chance of beating that great Miami Heat team. Uh, you know, a couple, I mean, four or five years ago now. Yeah. Um, and he was a big part of that. And now he's getting bounced around like, you know, a journeyman and could potentially be find himself out of the league at some point. I know, 72. yeah. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's,
1: yeah, it's pretty crazy. That whole Pacers team's an interesting case study. I mean, it's a completely different topic, but the way that they were just so, so close. Like I said, they were pretty much a game away from potentially yeah. making the finals, winning a championship. And now they're another team just trying to search for an actual direction where they want to go. You saw it on the trade period. They were bouncing Paul George around. Do we trade him? Do we not trade him? They're another team that's really just – it's crazy how when you don't reach the pinnacle, it can really go so quickly. It makes you appreciate when your teams are up there you really have to take full advantage because you never know when it's just going to go like that in a click. Moving on, um, Brooklyn Nets, Houston Rockets. The Nets get KJ McDaniels. The Rockets get cap space. So um, KJ McDaniels is an interesting one. I think he's a guy when, um, if you remember when Philadelphia actually traded him, a lot of people weren't happy because they thought this was a guy that could potentially be, uh, not a superstar, but a very, very solid player moving forward. His shooting numbers have gone down a lot since his Philadelphia days. Still very athletic, and he'll give you a highlight dunk every now and again. But he's a guy that has to search for some consistency. Going to Brooklyn, he'll get the opportunity to play a lot. So maybe that um, this could be a good move for KJ McDaniels.
0: If if, uh, if KJ McDaniels becomes a star in Brooklyn, I'll uh, I'll make Vegemite a, a part of my <laughs> daily practice <breakfast laughs> routine going forward. Nothing against Vegemite. It's just not my. It's not my taste. Oh, I it's can't
1: my, stand it. I hate it. I hate the smell my, of it. Not my, yeah, it's not I my coffee, smell of it and I feel sick.
0: If, if he becomes an all-star or anybody relevant in the NBA in, in Brooklyn, I will. I will say, "All right, Vegemite. It's me and you for the rest of our lives." Every every morning at breakfast.
1: That one's locked up in the vault. You can't take that one back. If that <laughs> happens, we have the audio. We have the date, twenty fifth of February. We have everything. So, Carlin, you're on notice. We'll, we'll wait and <laughs> see that... on that. Re-
0: I'm on the record saying it, I'm yeah. but I, I, think that, like... I think you're
1: safe. I think you're safe. So I, here we got right. three more deals to go here. L.A. Lakers received Tyler Ennis from the Rockets for cap space. Again, not much. Tyler Ennis, another guy that's kind of just bouncing around, just your yeah. third, fourth string backup point guard.
0: Yeah, and I and I know him, mean, I, I know it's 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 probably been tough. Uh, for him going through, yeah, he's like 14 in, in,
1: yeah. you know, in the
0: NBA now at this point. And, uh, he was a guy that was even just a borderline, you know, NBA, you know, draft pick. Uh, he was in a weaker draft class, had a really good season at Syracuse, um, and found himself in the NBA. And now he, he's just hard to find a, uh, you know, a home for him. And the real reason to me why he hasn't stuck is because he can't shoot. He's, he's, yeah. he's just one of those, uh, rookie Rubio types. He can do everything else. has a great feel for the game. But he can't shoot, um, and that's you know that's death if you're now in today's NBA.
1: Pretty much, uh, Phoenix Suns, Atlanta Hawks. The Phoenix Suns get Mike Scott. The Atlanta Hawks get protected second round pick and cash considerations. Again, like the Rory Hibbert move, this helps the Suns try and reach that cap minimum. I mean, Mike Scott's another guy who kind of just he'll give you something, but he won't give you much.
0: No, but he's a good rotation player. I think yeah, he, he you does. have him on your team as a seven-eighth man. He gives you a little bit of toughness and, uh, you know, he'll he'll give you one of those plays that don't show up in the stat sheet, but that still leads to a win type deal. So I like Mike Scott. He could play for my team any day, but I mean, um, most NBA fans probably don't know who Mike Scott is or, yeah. or really care who Mike
1: Scott is. <laughs> Pretty so, much. And this, yeah. we'll end on this one. And this is actually one that could change things going forward in the playoffs. Toronto Raptors get PJ Tucker. The Phoenix Suns get Jared Salinger, and 2017 and 2018 second round draft picks. If you had Raptors, you had to, something had to change. You had to get a new piece in because the way the team was constructed, I mean, you ha- they had this a massive, massive patch in the season where things didn't go to plan. Something had to change. Now, PJ Tucker is not gonna, he's not gonna change the franchise dramatically, but no. he's a guy that can come in, and if you do happen to face up against the Cavaliers sometime in the playoffs, he's a guy you can stick on LeBron. He's not gonna stop LeBron. No one can stop LeBron. But he can definitely distract LeBron and make him work hard. Because we know P.J. Tucker is a very, very physical and um, in-your-face type perimeter defender.
0: And I think that's what the Raptors needed. Uh, They needed to get better on the defensive end. They did that earlier uh, before the deadline with Serge Ibaka. I think that's a big deal. I'm sure you guys have talked about that in length on this podcast. And then you add P.J. Tucker, and I think... You know what you get defensively, but what he also adds is just a toughness that the Raptors haven't had in, in a very long time. And um, I, I was expecting the Raptors to, you know, if they had not got this deal done, to, to make a real strong push to try and get Matt Barnes. Uh, Matt Barnes, obviously not as young as he once was, but he, he just just provides a little bit of grit. And I think the Raptors need that. that you know, the toughest you know person in that organization was Masai Ujiri. I mean so Masai Ujiri <laughs> went out and before the Brooklyn series 2 years ago went to Brooklyn and said, you know, uh the famous words uh, at a pep rally yeah. they kept Brooklyn. Yeah. Um and then and the, you know the, he followed up the same the same thing uh the year after. Yeah. And that team never really kind of rallied around that the way I think Masai really wanted them to. He wanted them to have an attitude, a swagger about them. Um, If you go back to his teams in Denver, his teams in Denver had a little bit of a toughness to them that the Raptors haven't been able to get, Uh, and I think P.J. Tucker adds that sort of toughness, and I think you get a little bit of that with Serge Ibaka, so I don't think in the standings it's going to make a big difference, Uh, I think the Raptors are going to be in that third or fourth seed, but I think you'll see them be a little bit tougher in the playoffs. And that's, uh, you know, sometimes you make moves for a regular season. Sometimes you make playoff moves. And I think this is a playoff
1: move. Yeah, and like I said, it gives them a different look. They were were desperately in need for. And if you're Phoenix as well, I think you're a little disappointed that you couldn't push out a first-round pick for P.J. Tucker. You know, they had on for him for quite a bit, trying to to ride his value up. We saw what he can do there. You'd have to be just a little bit disappointed you couldn't really get a first-round pick for him.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he, to be honest, he's not worth the first round pick, and I think yeah, the Raptors um, are good. Maybe
1: a late, late first rounder. I don't know. Yeah. I reckon and if, and if and you bargained enough, you first. could get one.
0: Yeah, it probably would have been a late pick, uh, considering the Raptors yeah. are going to yeah. probably make at least the second round. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that P.J. Tucker really warrants it. but I mean, you, you get him off the books, uh, you're, you're yeah. helping a, you know, a playoff team, you're putting him in a good situation. Um, and this is one of those when, you know, the Raptors have or, or the Phoenix Suns have uh, in their back pocket when it comes to a trade that maybe they can't perform on their own and need a 13, they call up the Raptors and say, hey, remember yeah. when <laughs> you know, we gave you P.J. Tucker, you know, five years ago, or, you know, whatever the case is. I, I think that feels like that happened all the time in the NBA um, where, you know, uh, you, you, there's always like a, you know, uh, an IOU kind of sort of yeah. attachment. I think this one is, is, a, is a Raptor IOU to the Suns for sure.
1: And it does it just finally Jared salinger um he's another guy, oh, that's, gosh. yeah, can't find his footing,
0: no I mean he he's he was completely out of shape uh, yeah. this season, and to be fair, he has he was injured, so there was a reason why he wasn't you know in shape because he wasn't able to work out, but um the Raptors... In this situation, knew that going in. That's why they only gave him a one-year deal. Yeah. Uh, so he, he's now—it's a big crossroads for him. He, he's now going to the off-season as a free agent. Has to get into shape and find himself on an NBA team. I think he will, but he definitely won't make the money that he, uh, you know, he probably deserves if he wasn't full, full form.
1: Absolutely. Well. Carlin, as always, appreciate your time coming on the Sen NBA podcast. It was a fun one. A lot of moves to get through, a lot of moves that could potentially change the way we look at the NBA moving forward this season. Before I let you go, where can everyone find all your stuff?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at uh, Gay on Twitter. Uh, You can join myself and Benyam Kadane every Wednesday at 3.30 Eastern time uh, for our Facebook live session um we have some pretty exciting stuff to be quite honest with you leading you behind the curtain a little bit uh, Ooh, okay. coming up. Uh in terms of uh giveaways and and that sort of like uh for our Facebook live and um we're going to start bringing in some special guests and and that type of stuff uh as we head towards the playoffs. So um you know keep your eye on that. I do have a chat with uh with former uh NBA champion Josh Powell Ooh, um yes, and the NBL uh you know former Sydney King Sydney now. King, yeah. uh, Josh Powell uh, talking about uh, the league and, and the NBL as well. That's that, uh, that uh, will be posted here in the next coming days. So that's a, a very interesting chat. He's a, he's a smart guy, and uh, hopefully, you know, finds himself back either in the NBA or somewhere professionally. I, I really, uh, you know, enjoyed my time on and off camera with Josh. He's a he's a great guy. So. Things are in the works, uh, and as always, obviously, NBA.com for all for all your NBA news. i um, everyone knows that.
1: Yeah, and definitely watch this space. <laughs> a lot going on. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Sicari, a whole bunch of basketball talk and general sports talk there. You can always connect with me. Um, Carlin, appreciate your time again, and um, there's a lot to look forward to in NBA World
0: absolutely i appreciate it, luke and forget about the nba world for a second the wwe world is oh up too. we didn't even
1: we didn't podcast. even podcast it is the road to wrestlemania how could i forget <laughs> <laughs> maybe we have to launch out another podcast because we could go another hour talking about absolutely the, the turns that's happening on in our oh, world of wrestling entertainment
0: I'll, carlin, I'll, let you, I'll let you finish it there because i know we'll get started and we yeah
1: go ahead <laughs> carlin appreciate your time mate
0: To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America. Whether you've overdone it at the gym, at the
1: dinner table, or on the couch... AHM Health Insurance have a cover for you. Join direct at ahm.com.au